Hey, thanks so much for joining us on the Rise Church podcast. We're a church in Southeast Idaho on mission to help people take steps in relationship with Jesus. For more information, check us out at risechurchid.org. All right, enjoy the message. Last two weeks, Pastor Ben has been teaching on Irene. And um, that is, it's the Greek word used in the New Testament to communicate the peace that the people of God are to seek, to live in peace and community with the body of Christ. And so you know how he's saying, um, instead of Jolene, he went, Irene, 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 right? (laughs) So that we would... When we hear that word, Irene, we would automatically begin to think, how do we go forward living together in a community, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I would really strongly suggest if you haven't heard the the last, actually three messages, but the two on Irene, Go online and listen, because they're very, very powerful, and it it is what God is saying right now. And Pastor Ben, he touched on expectations on on both of the last two. This is my hair. (laughs) You know, it's my hair is so thin, and I mean, you would think it wouldn't make that noise, but uh, oh well. Anyway, so uh, he's already touched on it, but we're going to go into more depth with that today. Expectations in one another, in our marriages, and in the church. And um, so I want to start with sharing a story. So none of you, very few of you, when I look around, had the privilege of meeting my husband (laughs) Because he's been with the Lord now for almost 13 years. It's been a long time. But um, when we were dating, so he was so romantic. And so he would go and he'd get like a single rose and he'd bring it to work. Or he would stop in and he'd say, let me take you to lunch. Or he would send me love notes. And, um, you know, I just thought, oh, my gosh, I have the most wonderful husband, and I did. But we, we ended up, well, I'll tell you what, when he t- bought me a piano, you know, we were still dating. I figured, well, things are getting serious here. <laughs> and so not long after that, we're married we go into this marriage. We both have these expectations, this Hallmark movie moment, right? That's what this marriage is going to be. No, that is not how it works. <laughs> and so uh, we ended up not having our expectations met. And uh, my son, our oldest son, one day I went to the grocery store. And my husband, his name was Eric, uh, he was home with the boys. It was before we adopted our daughter. And I get home, and my oldest son, he meets me at the door, and he's got his fingers like this. And then he's got tears streaming down his face, 
and he's going and he couldn't open his mouth. And I'm, I'm looking, and I, so I take him into the kitchen, and I'm trying to see where there's better light. What's going on here? He had super glued his mouth together <laughs> and his fingers. And then, at the same time, I hear my husband down in the den going, yeah, go, yeah, go, go, as he's watching football. <laughs> Totally clueless. So all of us, when we go into marriage, we have expectations, right? And mine was that he would watch the kids. Um, the end of the story is um, we ended up having marriage counseling. It was the best thing we ever did. But um, uh, we didn't have premarital counseling. And there was this old preacher who married us, and he was in his 80s. He was retired and, I mean, you know, I mean, with a cane and everything. And so he said, do you have any advice for us as we go into this marriage? And he said, make it your goal to outgive each other every single day. And that sounds like such a simple little thing, but think about it. If you're working to outgive each other in your marriage every single day, it eventually it's going to become habit. And it's sort of like that verse in the, the Bible, the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right? So um, the Bible has so many instances where people had expectations in one another, in God, in nations. And a lot of times when there's conflict, if you look in the Word, and you know, someday just ask the Lord to show you, there, there's where there's places where expectations were not met in the way that these people hoped. And so, for an example, David and his son Absalom. So wouldn't we expect that Absalom would serve his father, love his father? Well, Absalom had some expectations in David, and David didn't come through. And so he rebelled and overthrew. And so and it was expectations of what we think should happen. Um, there's uh, Abram and Sarah. Uh, when God gave the promise that they would have a child, and 25 years later, 25, imagine the expectations that were going on in that home that day. So like Abraham, Sarai, when are you going to have a baby? And Sarai, when am I going to get pregnant? Just expectations. And uh, even the, like the Pharisees of Jesus' day, uh, they could not accept him because they had this idea that when Jesus came, he would be this 
great and mighty warrior who was going to overthrow Rome. And anyway, it's all over the Bible. And it's something to look at and, and to see what does God say about having expectations. There it is again. <laughs> um, so what we're going to do, we're going to look at Mary and Martha. And we're going to look at expectations that were surrounding their stories in the Bible. And um, so we're going to start with uh, Luke 10, 38 through 42. You know what? There is going to be a lot of Bible in this today, and which is a good thing. But just fasten your seatbelts, because there's going to be a lot of Bible. Um, now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So what kind of expectations were in play that day? So Martha, she was expecting Mary to get up from Jesus' feet and get out there and start working, right? Um, was that expectation met? No, it was not met. Um, let's see, Martha expected Jesus to make Mary help. And did he do it? No, he did not. He said, Mary has chosen what is good and kind of leave her alone. <laughs> um, the people in attendance that day, they would have expected for Mary to not be included in this conversation. Because back in that day, women were not allowed. And so, I mean, didn't Jesus revolutionize women? Didn't he? I mean, what he came and what he did, his example, I, it's, it's phenomenal to me, beautiful. Um, so there, the, the people that would have been in attendance, and it probably would have been at least the disciples that were there, but typically, if you look in the Word, when Jesus is going to go have a meal, there's, there's a crowd. We don't know how many, but there's a lot going on there. <laughs> and uh, here's Mary at Jesus' feet. Now, not only was her being in conversation taboo, but she's at Jesus' feet. Now, that is where that was considered impossible because that was a posture at that time. If you saw somebody sitting at a rabbi's feet, that meant that they were training to be a disciple. And the, the disciple was going to eventually teach 
were women allowed to teach back then? No. So do you see there's these expectations? There's things going on in the room that are, Jesus is messing them all up. He's getting them to where he wants them. And um, anyway, was there any expectations met that day? Yes. And that was the expectation of Mary. And she got to stay at his feet. That's, that's pretty cool. So we're going to look at just a few expectations that, that we can expect in church, in relationships, in friendships. Um, first of all, in church, uh, you should expect in the church that you attend, thankfully I attend here because I know the heart of Pastor Ben and the other pastors on staff, and it's that it will be Bible-based. And you guys have all heard him say, and many of the other pastors here, often dedicated to sound biblical theology and the authentic power of God. Whatever church you attend, you look for that. That's extremely important. Should we expect perfection at church? And no, because then we have entertainment. You know, and that's a real pressure. It's a real pressure to be leaders and to feel like you have to entertain. And I just can't do it. <laughs> it is not in me. When I, when I was in drama, my uh, drama teacher said I was the absolute worst actress <laughs> that he had ever seen because I can't fake it. <laughs> it doesn't work. Not for me. So it, instead, it's healthy to expect imperfection. And what does that do? If you can see, if I can see imperfection, then we know, oh, goodness, thank you, Lord. There's other people imperfect just like me. And, that, and it's healthy. It's, it's healthy. When you come to church or you have friendships or relationships, expect to be a giver, meaning financially, yes, but from yourself, from what's in your heart. Is there somebody to encourage? Is there somebody who needs a hug be, to be a giver? Um, let's see. The other thing that gets us into trouble in relationships is we don't communicate. It's like... Sometimes when, it, when there's negative things that need to be communicated, you know, you hurt my feelings, or I'm sorry I hurt your feelings, those type of things, those things need to be communicated because, you know, God isn't joking when he says in his word, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Not only does that hurt your relationship and my relationship with whoever it was, but it hurts you. 
because you hold things inside. And then, and then what happens when we start to hold things inside? A little bit of bitterness gets in there. And before you know it, we're mad, we're angry, and we end up in trouble that way. Communicate. Communication is so, so important. And even if it feels awkward, it is so important. So do you ever struggle with feeling like you, can, you can't <laughs> connect with people? Do you ever have those feelings? I mean, we all do at times. We're all, we all have those struggles. Um, you know, uh, I have a really, I have a very favorite verse, um, and it's out of Proverbs 18:24, and it says this: "A man who has friends." must himself be friendly, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So if we want friends, if, what's, that, what's the Bible telling us to do there? Show himself friendly. Show ourselves friendly. How do you do that when you're shy? Right? Yeah, that's, that's hard. And, but first of all, if you're shy, just know God made us all unique. Yep. And you made us all different. All of us have strengths and all of us have weaknesses, right? So with shyness, one thing that, that really, really helps is to be empathetic. So what do I mean by that? So if we're shy and we're super introverted, sometimes sometimes we don't want friends. And we're all made differently, right? <laughs> but, um, you know, um, th well, there was this, this friend that I made once. And it, it was when I worked out at the site. I did not work there for very long. Oh, thanks. <laughs> But um, I was there actually maybe about a year. And uh, when I got hired on out there, there was uh, this office full of lots of secretaries. And, and every day, they would all go to lunch together. And being the new kid on the block, they did not invite me to, to lunch. And so. I just didn't know, should I ask to go to lunch with them or whatever there. But anyway, I, I didn't. And then God began to show me this other woman that was there who they never asked to lunch. And she had big Coke bottle glasses. And when you talked to her, she never looked you in the eye. She just would talk to like the wall over there. And, and she would say these really strange things. And, but God told me to befriend her and to reach out to her and to love on her. And so I did. And I was able to share Jesus with her. And she started to come to church with me. And so it's, 
It's stepping outside of ourselves with empathy because we know how it feels to be left out. We've all had times we feel left out. You see a group of people, all these couples are at a dinner together on Facebook and nobody invited you. You know what I mean? By the way, Facebook can really present a very fake reality. If you know, you can make you can make things look like anything on Facebook. So anyway, um, empathy. So if you feel shy and it's really hard for you to show yourself friendly, remember that there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother, and that's Jesus, and he'll help you to reach out to others because people, everybody needs to be loved. Everybody needs to feel accepted. And we're to be the light of the world, right? Um, I've lost my place. <laughs> oh, uh, it also helps to show up to other things like potlucks, small groups. Here we have, lot, we have several things going, places to connect. And, and also remember that. But it's so important to step outside of ourselves. Back to what that wise old preacher said, learn to outgive each other every single day. <laughs> so we're going to continue on here with um, Mary and Martha. And we're going to look at John 11, 1 through 4. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, the one you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So what did Jesus do when he heard that Lazarus was sick? I know when, for instance, my dad had a heart attack. And it was just a block away from where I was. And I heard the sirens. And I remember getting this feeling like, there's something about those sirens. And shortly after that, a policeman is knocking on my door. And he says, your father has had a heart attack. They're working on him, trying to revive him. And I'll tell you what, there were no speed limits in town <laughs> as I made my way to the hospital. And isn't that what we do, right? When something like that happens. But what does Jesus do? What does he do? Let's look at verses 5 through 7. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. Two more days. Bethany was two miles away. 
Jesus was two miles away from them. What in the world? There's Jesus again going in and stirring up expectations and turning them for his glory. Because that's what he does. What expectations were in play that day? Well, Martha and Mary expected Jesus to come quickly. Um, It was not met because Jesus waited for four days. Mary and Martha expected that Jesus would heal Lazarus. And boy, did he ever. (laughs) We all know that story. God does things according to his will. Jesus knew all along that it was, it was God's plan for Lazarus to die. He, when he said to his disciples, this sickness is not unto death, but to glorify God's son. And, you know, he did that for, it, it says in another verse, I've got it in here somewhere, but he did it so that the disciples may believe. And he, see how God does things the way he wants to do them? Yeah. He just does. And so there's Mary and Martha, and there they are. And just imagine what their expectations were. And I, I think about them. Here's Mary and Martha, and they've seen him how many times heal How many miracles had they seen? Mm -hmm. And yet, here they are. And everything that they expected seemingly has not come true. Uh, Let's look at verses John 11, 12 through 15. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and here's that verse, for your sake, I'm glad I was not there. Really? Really? There's Jesus again. For your sake, I'm glad I was not there. Interesting how he does things. So that you may believe so that you may believe Jesus had a plan. Jesus, God, knows the rest of the story. In every single thing that any one of us face, he knows the rest of the story. He knows how it's all going to turn out, and he promises in his word that he'll turn it out for good. And boy, oh boy, in this case, did he ever. Let's look at um, John eleven seventeen through 20. Okay, so we're used to seeing Mary at Jesus' feet, right? Uh, seems that she really liked to be there. And this, something else happens now. And Mary doesn't run to go be at Jesus' feet. Let's read it. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, 
And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. So what's going on in Mary's heart? The Bible doesn't tell us. But I'll tell you what. Uh, at a time in my life, when I was really struggling because I had an enormous expectation and God did not meet it in the way that I wanted. And he used this verse to help me get through that time, to help, to help me know that the things I was feeling, those, those hurts, those things that he understood, that he wanted me to be real, being real. We can't even begin to say how important it is to be real. Fake is so bleh, but you know, it really is. <laughs> you know, if, if you're going through something really, really, really hard, the only place, the only place that you're going to have the big hole in your heart filled is at Jesus' feet. That's it. We're going to keep reading. Now we're going to be in verses 21 through 28. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And now look at her faith. Now this is the hostess. This is Martha, the hostess. Look at how great her faith is. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. That's, look at her faith. I admire Martha. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God. Like the song we sing today, the name of Jesus, the power that's in his name. And I always like to think, if I would have been there, when I read these words that are coming out of Martha's mouth, <laughs> when I read these words, I'll tell you what I hear coming out of her mouth. You are the Christ. You are the Son of God who is coming into the world. 
When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying to Mary in private, the teacher is here and he is calling for you. Now I like to think, do you ever do that when you read the word? Do you ever put yourself in the place of the character that you're reading? I do that too. And because it helps me grasp it, it helps me understand it. And so here's Mary, used to being at his feet. And she heard Jesus calling for her, calling for her, like he calls for us, every last one of us. And something happened. I just think in Mary's heart, something ignited. And she's like, beat feet. We are, I am getting out there and I'm going to where Jesus is. And let's look at verses 29 through 35. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were there with her in the house consoling her saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, what did she do? She fell at his feet. There she is. That's her posture. She's at his feet. And I think that when she fell at his feet, I, I think all this desperation and all this why and all this stuff fell at his feet with her. And she said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. I love that. That's a, a verse we've all got memorized, right? Jesus wept. He did not weep for Lazarus because he knew the rest of the story, yeah. right? Yeah. He wept, I believe, with all my heart because he saw Mary and her broken heart. He saw the ache inside of her. He saw her disappointment. He saw her disillusionment. And he looked at that heart. And with his heart of compassion and empathy, like he has for every single one of us, he wept. Amen. Talk about empathy. Jesus knew the rest of the story. And isn't it just like God? Here's an unmet expectation, and he chooses to meet it in a far 
greater way than they ever could have imagined. I love this verse. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work in us. Jesus messing up expectations again to show us what he can really do. That's the way he does things. Let's look at John 12, 1 through 8. <clears throat> Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Just imagine the worship in that room. Just imagine the presence. Just imagine. I, I love it. I absolutely love it, and how I would have loved to have been there. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this, not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said... Leave her alone, so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with me, with you, but you do not always have me. That, in, in the book of Mark, it says that ointment was worth a year's wages. Talk about worship. So what expectations were in place at that dinner? Number one... There's Mary at his feet again, doing all the things she shouldn't do. She's at his feet. Not only that, she takes off her head covering. Oh, my gosh. You do not take off your head covering if you live then. Not only that, she touches his feet. And she, a, a man, she's touching a man in public. And then... She wipes his feet with her hair. Lots of expectations. Judah, he's expecting that that money should be for the poor. Yeah, right. But also for himself. And, you know, we're told a little bit later in, in the book of Mark, it says... The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. But when he is killed, after three days, he will rise. Not just there, but in several places in the Bible, Jesus foretold his death, didn't he? And they're like so many of us, or me especially. God says something, and I... You know, duh, what? And we, we miss it. But is it possible, do you think, 
that those times when she was sitting at Jesus' feet, maybe she heard that Jesus said he was going to die and that he was going to rise again. Maybe she heard that. Maybe that was a seed that went into her heart. Um, we're also told a little bit later in the book of Mark that in, in the same story, it adds that Jesus said to them when, when, when Judas was mad, he, he said, she's doing this to prepare my body for my burial. Oh my gosh, something hard is about to happen. Something really hard. The Messiah, the Messiah that everybody expected to be this great warrior that was going to over, overthrow Rome, the, the Messiah is going to die. Maybe she heard it, and maybe she listened because she had seen him do so many miracles. She had seen him raise her brother from the dead. She was going to do something hard by preparing his body for burial. Why? Because God knows the rest of the story. And so that is like this little nugget for when we go through things, when we go through those hard things, it's a nugget to just hold on to. We can get through those hard things because he knows the rest of the story. We can lay our expectations where? At his feet. Just like Mary. We are getting a little low on time. So I'm just going to ask this question. What do we do with our expectations? So when we have expectations in family and in friends, in the church, we... What is, what is something we often do? Let's say, you know, I expected Pastor Ben and Alicia to come to my house for dinner, but they called. They said they couldn't make it. So I got my feelings hurt. And so I ran to Davin, and I say, did you know Pastor Ben and Alicia didn't make it to my house for dinner? And well, I think it's really because of this, this, and this. And before you know it, my telling this tale colors the way David looks at Pastor Ben and Alicia, right? Yeah. What does the Bible say to do when our expectations aren't met or when we have conflict? It says, when we go before God to leave our gift at the altar and go and work it out and talk to, another, to the other person. Communicate. So first, we have an expectation in the church, in people, in friendships. Our hearts have been broken. We're disappointed. 
First, we go to his feet. First, we go and we hear, what is his heart? What is he saying? What is he telling me to do in this? And then we communicate. We, we go and we communicate, even if it's messy. And it probably is. What else do we do? We surrender. I think that Mary, in this act of wiping his feet with her hair and this ointment, I think it came with this heart of surrender that Mary had. Mary was saying, saying, you know, I'm trusting you because you know the rest of the story. I'm laying everything in your hands. I'm not going to put my hope in people. People will disappoint. I am going to disappoint you. You're going to disappoint me. It's life and it's real. Do we break fellowship? No, that's impossible. We're the body of Christ, right? It's kind of hard to break yourself off of the body of Christ. We're a body. It's impossible. We're going to be in heaven together. So we try to work things out here, right? We accept one another, too, for the way that we are made. We don't try to make people just like us, but we look for the gift inside of them, and we encourage it. Even if it's something that's so totally weird to us. What about our expectations in God? We surrender. And we say, uh, you know, I really want this, God. I'm asking for this. But I surrender it to your will. And I lay it down. And I'm going to expect from you that you know the rest of the story. And you're going to meet this expectation according to your will. Do we find our hope in people? No. (laughs) There's a verse. I had it in here somewhere, but I got off of my notes. (laughs) And it's um, out of John 2, uh, 24 and 25. And I don't know it exactly, but it's that um, Jesus would not entrust himself to people because he knew what was in them. So how do we move together as a community with all of our messes, all of of our expectations? How do we move together? We spend time with the Lord. We get what we need from him. We get to know him. We, We become filled with his presence and with his spirit. And then we outgive each other every single day. Yeah. Amen. Amen.
Amen. Give her a hand. Yeah. You know, uh, as we step out practically and, and just take this message, here's the challenge that I'm getting. It's let's evaluate every expectation that we have. Because if, if you don't realize this, you have expectations on everything in your life. You've got expectations of your job. You've got expectations of church. You've got expectations in relationships. Let's go through and map them out, like piece by piece. What are my expectations for each of these things? And then we're going to bring them before the Lord, just like Pastor Lori was saying. We're going to surrender them to the Lord, and we're going to ask this question. Are these biblical expectations? Or am, am I just having poor expectations? I think that's a real journey that we could go on this week and the Lord could really impact us. And this, this could be a really essential tool in us growing together as, as a church. Hey, thanks again for joining us on this Rise Church podcast. If this was a blessing to you, there's a number of things that could do to help us continuing to minister to the world around us and getting that good news about Jesus Christ out. Could you like this podcast? Could you share this podcast? Could you quote this podcast? All of those would be a great blessing. If you would like to give financially to Rise Church to help us continue on this mission, please go to risechurchid.org. Be blessed, my friend.